0: You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer.
1: Hello, and welcome to the 250th episode of the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here, along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. We also have a special guest tonight for the 250th episode. Jeffrey the Greek of the Eyes on Big podcast is here.
0: Welcome, Jeff. Thank you so much. The funny thing is, we just passed 250 ourselves. So, you know, sometimes greatness just kind of starts in step like that with, with our two podcasts, I guess.
1: God, wow, 250 for you guys too. Holy crap.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: as as I was thinking about that 250 episodes, this is our seventh year doing it. And I was thinking, I was like, holy shit, we've between the three of us, we've damn near had more birthdays than wins by the Huskers. <laughs>
0: I, mean, I don't mean to sad. laugh, but that is, I'll say this much. I know there's been other Husker podcasts that have gone the way of the Dodo. You guys have kept hitting record and I'm being serious that you deserve credit for that.
2: It, its It's it, been tough some weeks. I promise you that.
1: Yeah. Especially. Yeah. yeah. I think I've quit. I think I've quit
2: four
3: or five times, so <laughs> I'm not doing it no more. I can't do this. So. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs>
1: So uh, I do want to talk about one thing. We're going to talk about some Big Ten topics, and then we're definitely going to get into the Nebraska-Illinois game, then we'll pick some games of the week. Uh, But I want to talk about Iowa. Before the season, we had done our over-unders for Big Ten West teams, Big Ten East teams, and we gave our kiss of death uh, (laughs) to Iowa because we all had Iowa going over. Uh, Seven and a half wins, I believe, is what it was, right? So the season, and it's been pretty bad, but what can Iowa do to get back on track here?
0: So basically what you're asking is, what can Iowa do to fix the offense, right? I mean, uh, the defense is... (laughs) Nothing wrong with the defense or special teams. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is, is of course, um, you know, Kirk Ferentz did not have such a great presser today, right? Or, Or so people think... I've kind of seen it from Iowa fans. I've seen it a lot from Nebraska fans. I've seen the uh, Kirk Ferentz getting compared to Bo Pelini, which ain't all bad. I liked Bo. You know, he was a successful coach. Um, but I now I'm getting into, you know, Twitter conversations and direct message conversations, or in this case, a podcast conversation about, you know, how to fix it or what's going on. And like I already said, I mean, the defense is great. The special teams are really, really good. We're talking about the offense, you know, and, and the, the, the sad situation is the offense isn't going to have some 180 degree turnaround before the end of the year. It's it's just not the only way you could do that is all new coordinator, you know, a couple new players in none of that stuff's going to happen until the offseason, if at all. So really, the only thing you can do is just incremental increases which is getting the offensive line from playing poorly to playing mediocre to decent, you know, Um, I, I personally, you know, would like to see more Padilla moving forward because he's more mobile as the offensive line, you know, heals up or gets a little bit better. And then outside of that, a couple receivers back and whatnot. I mean, there's just not, there's no white knight coming in to save the Iowa offense. It is what it is. You just hope they can go from, Abysmal to typically bad, <laughs> which yeah. is what the Iowa offense has been the last couple of years.
1: Well, their so, quarterback situation—I mean, it's uglier than Harvey Weinstein's genitalia. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, have you have you seen that? I, no, but I keep, I keep hearing about it, Justin. I keep hearing about. I'm like, I gotta oh. see this. I'm
2: like, it looks a lot. Looks a lot like Maggie you, Gyllenhaal, remember? Oh,
1: you beat me to it, Derek.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Derek, you beat me to it, man. <laughs> oh boy, this one. We're not even 2 minutes into this thing. We're already off the rails here. I just so- think so.
1: I'm just picturing like Harvey Weinstein. No, okay, um, we're, we're off his pants, genitalia, Justin. And then all of a sudden it looks like total recall with that little baby thing coming out going
3: Quade, Quaid and oh. I don't know. That, that 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 was like the worst like 30 seconds in the two hundred and fifty episodes of our podcast is talking about his genitalia. So thank you for <laughs> oh, that. Oh boy. I'm
0: glad I'm here for it. Glad I was here for it. So
3: obviously the quarterbacks get all the hi- the 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 headlines, but there's a lot broken with Iowa's offense. Yeah. How did it get so bad? Like their line has been good. I mean, their running game has been good. They've had great tight ends. I mean, good weapons on the outside. Like, what
0: happened? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. Of, whenever there's an offensive issue, the first place everybody looks is quarterback, right? I mean, that that's not just germane to the Iowa fan base. That's everybody. Um, here here's the deal. I'll try not to get to deep and detailed because i doubt many of your listeners want to hear it but essentially iowa you know is it it tries to play to its strengths on both sides of the ball which is the lines okay the d-line and the front seven is doing great on the on the defense but on the offense what what Iowa tries to do is his zone blocking scheme based on timing and getting up to the second level for, for running backs to you know have consistent five to seven yard gains that's that's what the goal is of the offense The issue is, we've always had, you know, pretty much since Ferentz got there, since his second or definitely third year, the offensive lines have been good to really, really good. There has been recruiting misses, there has been retirements, there has been defections, and a lot of guys that this staff was counting on to be, you know, juniors and seniors playing this year, they're just not on the roster. So now suddenly... You are you have an offensive system that relies on the O line and the O line is not good. In fact, the O line's not just not good, it's it's pretty bad this year. So when that happens, the whole thing falls apart because this is not a schematic, you know, situation where they can make up for that. So it's a two-part thing. It's scheme because you leave your ass hanging out in the wind for something like this to happen when the O-line isn't really good, or it's it's the old line, you know, I mean, that's the two things that fit together. What has then made it even worse is the who we have a quarterback because he's a statue, you know. So now you have somebody that can't make plays off of schedule. I, I mean, it's just a, it's just a full four alarm meltdown, man. I mean, you, you don't see it all the time, but it happens.
1: There's a right. shot at making a bull, Iowa or Nebraska.
0: I'd say it's about even Steven right now. I mean, Derek and I were joking in a sad and depressing way that that game coming down to potentially maybe two, five and six teams and the winner goes to a bowl. I don't want to say that's the best either team could hope for, but it's pretty close to it. All right. Just one hypothetical question for you here. You're Kirk Ferentz.
2: You fire your son at the end of this season. Because me and my son already had this conversation. I told him if he was doing this bad of a job, he'd have been fired already. <laughs>
0: um, how I think it'll go down is that it won't be an official firing. So one thing that a lot of people don't know is technically speaking, Gary Barta is uh, Brian Ference's boss. So that's how Brian Ferentz was able to get hired into this position is there was an agreement that Kirk Ference and, and Barta agreed to that Barta actually has control over brian ferentz's contract so technically speaking kirk wouldn't quote unquote have to fire him Barta could be the one that would do it in my opinion okay i have no insider information i think these things are already kind of are, are going to get worked through or have already been discussed i don't think barda is going to put kirk ferentz in a position where he's going to demand to fire his offensive coordinator son mid-season that's not Kirk's MO anyways. This isn't our first uh, time we've been extremely frustrated with an offensive coordinator at Iowa. He's never fired any of them midseason. That's just not how Kirk Ferentz does it. I think there will be a mutual parting of the ways after whatever, whenever the season ends. And Brian Ferentz will be ushered into the offensive line coach or running game coordinator at some at the NFL, I think it'll be something like that.
1: All right, keeping it along with the uh, Big Ten West, uh, you see all these teams. Everyone seems to be chasing Illinois right now for some reason. And if anybody had Illinois as their uh, front runner before the season, wow, what a crystal ball you had! But how good <laughs> is the West this year? Are they good?
0: The West is down this year. Um, I'm a you know I'm a well known West defendant. Uh, but it's tough this year. Um, and it's not because Illinois is at the top. Illinois is really, really good. Okay. Like, like I, if this was a year where, you know, bear with me here, but if it was like a classic Wisconsin year, you know, where they look like they're going to go 10 and 2 or 11 and 1, in my opinion, this Illinois team would challenge those Wisconsin teams or the 12 and 0 Iowa team or, you know, any one of the typical teams in the past that were stronger teams, that's how good I think this Illinois team is. It's just that after that, who's the second-best team? I mean, we thought for sure it was Purdue. Boy, they didn't look so good last weekend. And then it's just it's – a, it's a bunch of teams that do something – that have something dangerous, you know, like a good defense for Iowa, uh, a lightning-fast passing attack for Nebraska – um, um, Wisconsin, you know, overall decent, but, but there's just nothing anybody brings to the table that gives you confidence that that's going to be definitely the second best team throughout the next month. Tyler. Well, you talked about the West a little bit. So right
3: now t- talk about the East at this point in the season, who do you have coming out of it?
0: I wish I could say Michigan cause that was my preseason pick. Um, and they're right there. You know, I think, I don't know, it's weird. Michigan is ranked fourth, but yet I don't think they're getting a lot of respect. Like, I feel like the, the more podcasts, national podcasts I listen to, it seems like they want to kind of crap on Michigan more than anything. Um, but as good as I think they are, I have to lean towards Ohio State. And mostly it's because of the massive advantage Ohio State has at quarterback with C.J. Stroud. I mean, that dude is just incredible.
3: So, so, I've listened to your podcast a lot. Um, you guys do a great job. And, you know, you talk about the SEC bias. And I contend if the Big Ten East was an SEC West, we'd be talking three teams in the playoffs. Right. Penn State is no slack. Do you give them any shot? I know we're going to do games of the week, but do you give them any shot to beat Ohio State and maybe getting in that conversation
0: themselves? I mean, I don't know if they necessarily would have three teams that w- would be up there, but for sure too. And, you know, you might be onto something with the three because in this, you know, string theory example, instead of Penn state killing Auburn, you know, they would have killed a big 10 team, you know, right. So then Auburn they would have killed getting... Penn state. Right, right. So, yeah. So it, and so I do think Penn state is good, but in my opinion, they are a step down from Ohio state and Michigan. I mean, I think we had that proven, you know, a couple of weeks ago, when Michigan just ran all the all, all through Penn State's front seven, um. So I now, with that being said, I do think Penn State matches up better against Ohio State. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Penn State actually keep the game closer with Ohio State. But right now, again, you know, advantage uh, quarterbacks, you know, between Clifford and and. And C.J. Stroud is, is is immense, you know. Ohio State's got a defense this year. I mean, right now, the odds-on favorite is Ohio State will go into the playoffs with a 13-0 record.
1: See, I kind of think that Ohio State and Michigan, they're kind of like on the same tier in the Big Ten. And then on that next tier is Penn State, and then probably Illinois is on that tier with Penn State. Uh, but I think there's a huge separation between Ohio State and Michigan and coming down to Penn State.
0: I, I I agree. I, and I actually in my I do my power rankings every Sunday. I have Illinois in front of Penn State. Um, I, so. I do, too. Yeah. But when, when we do ours, we we collaborate the three of us. But I, but I have Illinois number three right now. Yeah, I think uh, I think our our power rankings, if I if, if I remember correct, unless my eyes were deceiving me, were the exact same but we had Nebraska and Iowa switch spots. Like it was 10 and nine and 10, 10 and nine or something like that. Yeah. Uh Derek. All
2: right. So let's, we've had a couple of coaches fired here. Uh, obviously Scott Frost and we've seen Paul Christ, which threw me just for a complete whirlwind. I'd never expected that one. Uh, is there any other big 10 coaches that you think are on the hot seat? Like maybe a, uh, I can't believe I'd ever say this, but we have Pat Fitzgerald who's just really falling apart there at Northwestern.
0: Can I say one thing? And I meant to kind of talk to you about this before we started recording and I just forgot. Um, Since this is the first time I've talked to you guys since, you know, Scott Frost got let go. And I know it's kind of old news now for everybody. uh, I just want to say like, I'm still shocked at how that, how everything went down. If, you know, in, Before the 2018 season, if some fan walked up to me and said, you know, I think Scott Frost is going to go 16 and 31 and get fired partway into his fifth season and he's going to be rumored to have all these off field issues, I would have said, "Okay, Iowa fan, because let's be honest, it would have been an Iowa fan saying that, right? I would have been like, listen, man, I know it would be comical to see the Scott Frost tenure go that bad, but that's you're just being stupid there's no way it's going to go this bad. Like I it's crazy. Cause like, I'm not, I wasn't shocked when the news went down, but I'm still shocked to this day that the Scott Frost run at Nebraska went as poorly as it did. I did I screwed up. We did a uh, Scott Frost fired emergency podcast. I never, I didn't do a very good job of thinking my way through uh, um, how it went down, you know, but anyways, I, I hope you don't mind me sharing that today. With Chris, it's almost the exact opposite. It went about as well as you would expect it to go. But the firing was, um, I couldn't believe it. You know, like that—that that is what has been crazy. Um, you bring up a good point. I mean, the two coaches that are on the hot seat the most are Pat Fitzgerald. And I hate to say it, but, but Kirk Ferentz. I would put Fitzgerald further up in the rankings, so to speak on who would get fired out of anybody in the big 10, you know, I mean, they are looking down the barrel of a one in 11 season, you know, but I still think there is so much equity that Fitzy has built in the bank of Northwestern. I think they would still give him a chance next year to see if he can write the ship. And I'm with you. I, I, I don't necessarily think that Fitzgerald's on a
1: hot
2: seat, but a 1-11 season, you got to start thinking uh, things aren't going the way they're supposed to be going anymore. And what,
0: about like, probably, what about like a
2: Tom Allen at Indiana? like
0: Tom, Tom Allen is the next one up for sure. I would probably actually slot Tom Allen in front of Kirk Ferentz uh, for sure for, for being on the hot seat. But let's be honest. I mean, let's call it how it is. Um, if you're at a school like Northwestern in Indiana, Northwestern – hardly cares about athletics in general, you know, it's, it's that Stanford level of stuff and with Indiana, definitely an athletic school, but, you know, obviously more, you know, air towards basketball. So because of that, I think both of them get by, but, you know, I mean, honestly, Derek, you probably bring up the most common name out of anybody left in the big 10 that could potentially get let go uh, during or right after the end of the year. I think Tom Allen is, is, Definitely, probably the lead candidate.
3: So you, you brought up ference and and for all of our listeners, I mean, I, you you probably think like, why are you talking all this Iowa? This is good Nebraska content. It's kind of shitting on Iowa, so it works out. But <laughs> obviously, there's no way he's getting fired. He's built too much equity. But he is 67. Is there any chance, you know, at the end of the year, the the emotions of his son leaving gets to him, and he just like, yeah. I'm 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 done. Is is that maybe an outcome of this season?
0: I mean, for me to say it's not a potential outcome, I I I don't think I'd be being I'd be being disingenuous. You know, I I yeah I I do think it's possible that that's a situation. I mean, and it would probably come down to what I talked about before, where Barda says that's it. You know, like I'm getting rid of your son, and because of that, you know, KF is like peace out. I mean, that's that's possible. But my gut is that it will be a more amicable split between the three of them, meaning KFBF and Barta. Um, and from what I've heard, you know, Kirk Ferentz got some time at home during all the 2020 BS, and he did not like being at home. <laughs> so he he likes he likes coaching and he likes running a football program. So in my opinion, he's. He's still got a couple years to go, which which I'm happy <laughs> but, about, as long as we see some changes. And I guess that's my opinion on the deal. I, I, I can't imagine
2: Iowa firing Kirk. I I just can't see it. I could see like a uh, suggested maybe it's time to retire type of thing. More more so than we're just gonna let you go.
0: Yeah, I mean there would I understand. I think I see what you're getting at, Derek, and I agree with you that it wouldn't be a flat out firing. It would be yeah. a let's do this in a gentleman way. Uh, but that gentleman way is going to involve a lot of money because I mean, Kirk Ferentz has got $40 million on the table. He's earned it. I mean, this is the going rate of coaches. This is how this goes. So as good of a guy as he is. And I, again, I, I'm a big KF fan. Okay. Personally, he's done things for me. He, like I joked before, and this is true. He, when my dad goes to practices, he walks up and says hi to my dad. You know, like I, I like the man, you know, so he, he deserves what he has. So I hope, I hope he gets a chance to stick, stay longer, but I equally hope there are, you know, wholesale changes on the offensive side of the ball so that this thing can get back on track. All right. One one last question for you here. Uh, I just, just want to pick your brain, what your thoughts
2: are on the Nebraska coaching hire, what any, any particular candidates you're interested in?
0: I'm glad you asked me that because, I mean, I do find it intriguing. Um, shout out to Jim in Minnesota. He was on the Dave Aranda you know, train way back in, I mean, shoot, it might have been June or July. Um, but as I love to point out when Jim's wrong, it looks like he's going to be wrong because from what I've seen lately, it seems like Aranda is not a candidate. I don't know why. I still think he should be a candidate going from Baylor to Nebraska, but also – what's left of the big 12 after Oklahoma and Texas leave moving to big, the big 10. I saw a lot of pissed off Baylor fans. Like, why would he ever do that? That's why he would do it. (laughs) All those reasons. Plus the unbelievable fan support he would get at Nebraska. So I still think Dave Aranda should be a a candidate. Uh, After that, probably the next most interesting candidate to talk about is Mickey. Um, I just want to say, I love Mickey. Um, had a little full of the today saying the recruits name. He's going to have to learn that lesson pretty quick. But Mickey's a good dude. I mean, it's hard not to root for Mickey. He's a grinder. He has worked his way through. Like, I love Mickey. But I think it's pretty clear that Trev has, has, um, I think, I think it's pretty clear to me that Trev wants a guy with head coaching experience to come in and have a fresh look on, on the program. So I think that's what you're going to get. It's just a mystery who that's going to be. It ain't going to be Matt Campbell. I think that I I think that's unfortunately that sailed. I I I was I, as an Iowa fan, I was hoping Matt Campbell would take the Nebraska job, um, Jeez. because it would make Iowa State weaker and Nebraska would probably look a little bit better, you know, but but not not a powerhouse. So I don't know. After that, um, Matt Rule is somebody you'd want to look at. I mean Leopold would be somebody you'd want to look at. There's other great candidates out there. Um, and here's a question I would like I would like to ask back to you. If it winds up being Mickey, okay, is there any thought that you would have where maybe it would feel like to you that the reason it's Mickey is because too many of the top guys turn the job down?
3: Yes. I'll I'll go first. I, I mean in in this scenario, you, obviously we're assuming we don't just roll off the next five, right? This is like we're not gonna do something insane. But if we go, you know, three and two down the stretch, um, even and make a bowl game, or even two and three, or whatever that number is. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. Trev Hallett has a couple guys on his list. And if it's Mickey, unless we go four and one or five and oh, he, he was a backup. That that's how I would look at it. Okay.
1: Yeah. I've I mean, I like Mickey. I mean, if he gets to that three and two mark and he gets us to a bowl game, uh, you know, if you're not going to get guys like Urban Meyer, that caliber guys, which you're, we're not going to get in Lincoln. I mean, is there that much separation between the likes of, you know, like uh, say Dave Aranda or Leipold, bringing Mickey in after Mickey turns this program around in one year with, you know, with all the uh, the bad you know, qualities of this team. I mean, I think it it would look a little bit good. Uh, I mean, it would look good on Mickey if he could get us to a bowl game, considering where we're at. He's great on the recruiting trail and uh, just his demeanor on the sideline. It's like night and day from Scott Frost, where Scott Frost was just, you know, like a zombie out there just dipping and picking grass when things didn't go well because it it never went well. Mickey Joseph stays engaged and he's always coaching players up and just the energy. So I like him from that
3: standpoint. So I I just think that a, a, a three and two making a bowl is it's, it's a different year. I mean, when your victories are against Indiana Rutgers and presumably, I mean, who knows how it plays, but you're beating the worst Wisconsin team and Iowa team in how many years? I mean, you're basically getting the breaks like it's just it's not a wow it's not a it's great it's an accomplishment i don't want to take it away from him but it's just it isn't a wow
0: i think that's honestly a fantastic point tyler where and my guess is that's how trev's looking at it like okay he got us to a bowl but against who and what schedule so i that that honestly is a very good point that you just made well, i'm a, i'm going to go ahead and call my shot here and say that the
2: next next nebraska head coach is going to end up being either dave doran or Mark Stoops, and it's only because neither one of them moved the needle for me, and I don't want to see either one of them, and so
0: <laughs> that's who we're going to end up getting.
1: So would you take Mickey Joseph over those two? Yes, yeah. all day long.
0: Yeah, I I mean, Dave Doran wouldn't impress me that much, um, and then another one that I personally believe is a viable candidate is Lane Kiffin.
2: I, 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 think I love is, Lane Kiffin. I, I would
0: train. not, I would dislike Lane Kiffin. So that means, you know, as an Iowa fan, so that means I believe it would be a good hire for Nebraska. Uh, he's just kooky enough where he would make that, that move just because, right. Like, and, Did and I do think they're friends. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm just trying to call it how I see it, you know, like, like there are two things that fit, which is again, he's kooky enough to do it. and And the second one is, He's openly annoyed at his own fan base, you know, for not showing the support that he wants him to. And I don't know. I, it's, it's, you know, he was born in Nebraska, you know, we know all that. So I, I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world. I wonder though, if Mrs. Lane Kiffin (laughs) would be the one that would fight against that the most. I mean, mean, how much time have you spent in Mississippi?
1: Yeah. I was going to say, isn't Nebraska (laughs) an upgrade over Mississippi?
0: Shorter flights, to, shorter flights to Florida and Texas and whatnot. True.
1: Uh, all right, let's uh, get into this Nebraska-Illinois preview. Uh, Derek and I, we were on the uh, Generation Red podcast. We, we were on their live stream Sunday, so we already talked about uh, a lot of our Illinois points. But uh, let's talk about the matchups here, Nebraska offense versus Illinois defense. Jeff, when you look at these teams, how do they uh, match up with offense in
0: Yeah, so that's strength against strength, right? For the most part. Um, I mean, here's here's the deal: is I can I can't imagine that the uh, 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 what Troy Walters, the defensive coordinator for Illinois, it's it's got to be shut down. Trey Palmer, right? I mean that that is the first thing you do. And 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 when I say shut down, I'm not saying two catches for 14 yards. I think the guy's too talented for that. But the games that Nebraska has exploded for points, he has exploded for big plays. So that I would think is the number one goal of Illinois defense. So what do you typically try to do or try to have to, to be able to prevent that? I mean, obviously, one is a pass rush, pass rush. The second thing is really good corners. Illinois's got phenomenal corners. So Kurt is more in tune with this. I checked with him today for you know a little bit deeper knowledge on Illinois. I believe him because Kurt is not a BSer, but their cornerback, Devon Witherspoon, I he is getting mocked in the top 15 right now in the NFL draft. He is having that good of a year. That's probably assuming, you know, he his measurements and all the testing is, you know, as good as you hoped it would be. But the point I'm trying to make is that's how good he is as a cornerback. That's how good they've been as a unit. I don't know. Like, it's I don't think very many teams in the country can move the ball on this Illinois team. And I know that part of it is Illinois has gone against some not so great offenses. OK, that is definitely a part of the story. But put on the film, you know, look at the stats. This is a very good, very good Illinois defense. Um, and unfortunately, what I think it's going to take what it, what it always takes to move the ball against a defense like this is a balanced team. I mean, I, you know, I'd put the question back to you. Does this look like a balanced Illinois offense or excuse me, balanced Nebraska offense. Those these last couple weeks.
1: Not to me. (laughs) It's like Trey Palmer bust, I guess.
0: Right. And I mean, it's one of the things I brought up on our podcast that concerned me about Nebraska after frost was let go is Will the rushing attack leave with Scott Frost? I I mean, I expected it to get slowed down, but I mean, Whipple isn't even, he isn't even trying to run the ball right now. It's, it is literally a once every five or six plays just to try to keep the linebackers a little bit honest, but this, I don't know. That's, that's what would scare me the most for, for this matchup.
3: Tyler, let's hear your thoughts on this matchup here. Well, I mean, you, oh, geez. So much unpacked there. I mean, I, So the, the Purdue game was really a, a great microcosm on the running the ball, because if you go back and look at just first down plays, we passed more on first down than we did run. We passed 14 times and we ran the ball 10. And while it sounds good to run the ball 10 times, a couple of those first downs were inside the 10. So, okay, you run on first there. One was a reverse to Trey Palmer, so that barely counts as a run. And one was with 40 seconds left in the second half when you're just really trying to get in the halftime. So you're right on that. But you brought up the Trey Palmer. If Illinois game plans against Trey Palmer, I do find it interesting. Will they put a safety over the top? Will they try to really keep him from getting downfield? And if they do, does that open up the run game? And and so I had this long debate at work is, if Illinois really game plans to shut down Trey Palmer, because you're right, they have the corners to do it. They put a safety over top. They could take him out of the game. Does that stop Nebraska's offense? Does our offense just go away because that's all we have at this point is Trey Palmer, or does it open up another wide receiver, a run game? And I don't know. I think that's an interesting debate if they can succeed. What ends up happening in Nebraska's offense? I like to believe it opens it up for us, but it could also get really ugly. Isn't now, this the, is what's the
1: biggest, uh, toughest defensive front that Nebraska has faced to date?
3: It's Illinois. I mean, Illinois, I mean, besides Illinois, you'd probably say Rutgers. I mean, that would be the next pick. But I mean, it's Illinois. Illinois is five hundred times better than any other front we faced all year.
0: And so with and Oklahoma- now, I would say Rutgers is good. Rutgers is good. I, I you know I wouldn't say five hundred times better than Rutgers, but Illinois is a tick or two up from Rutgers, and you know. Nebraska didn't have a point on the board, you know, until, until into the second half against Rutgers. Um, Now the scary thing would be like, you know, you're bringing up good points about if they focus so much on Trey Palmer, does that open things up? The scary thing would be as if they don't have to do anything more than what they've typically done with their base defense. And that's enough to shut down Palmer. That would be a scary thought. Um, Then is it Travis Volkaleck? Is it Washington? like who would be that second or third guy to, to, you know, make plays Um, because Kurt and I talked about this offline. I mean, essentially what we're looking at here is the unexpected from Nebraska's offense. Both teams are coming off an idle week. Cool whip has been sitting there looking at that Illinois film for two weeks. Is there something special that he's got dialed up that, you, the four of us, you know, Nebraska fans, nobody is looking for. That will be what I will. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I want to tune into this game, but that will be what I'll tune in for early is to see to see the unexpected.
1: All right, Derek, give, some, I will, give us some stats. I, 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 okay,
2: I can do that. Uh, so first thing I want to tell you is uh, Illinois lost one game, as we all know. And the game that they lost just happened to be Indiana. Mm-hmm right so indiana is 44th in the country in passing with a terrible rushing attack <laughs> i they are 128th in the in the country in rushing uh so i mean indiana's proven you can beat illinois with a with a passing attack not saying nebraska will do it but it can be done uh jeff i guess, jeff, i, I want to go i want to talk you, you you were talking earlier a little bit about uh, Illinois not really facing any any really great offenses. I w- I wouldn't averaged out where everybody would be. Uh, so if you average out where all the teams that they've played rank, uh, they uh, in scoring offense they'd be 99th. Right. All the teams together. You, you put them together, they're 99th. Uh, Rush offense they'd be 75th. Pass offense would be 104th, and total offense would be 105th. Uh, yeah. they they really, really have not faced a good offense. It, and I and I will say this, this is probably the best offense that they've faced. As far as far as where everything ranks, rushing, passing, total offense, scoring offense, this is probably the best offense they've faced. They have faced some good passing teams in Indiana, uh play faced some good, really good rushing offense in Wisconsin, uh, uh Minnesota. But Minnesota's ninety eighth in the country in passing. And Wisconsin's 89th in the pa- in the country in passing. So, yeah. I, I, again, this is statistically a more balanced offense than they've faced all year. Uh, now, I do have the concern that you have that Whipple has taken over and the rushing attack has kind of gone to the wayside. And if that continues to be the case, Nebraska's in a lot of trouble. Uh, I, I don't think Whipple has a lot of creativity when it comes to running. Uh he, he likes to run up the up the middle, maybe a little off tackle here. Not a lot of misdirection, not a lot of pitch plays, not a lot of option plays, uh, not a lot of RPOs. It's just standard. We're gonna run it at you. And we don't have the offensive line for that. That's there's no secret about it. There's no everybody in the country knows. It's we don't have the offensive line to run that kind of of a rushing attack. Uh so it's gonna take that, I think for Nebraska to do anything against uh, this defense is get get creative in the run game. And as far as stopping Trey Palmer, I'm with you. Like they might slow him down a little bit, but you're not going to stop. him. You're not going to, it's not going to be a two catch for 14 yards. I think is what you said earlier that it's not going to be that. And I I agree with you because it's not just about covering him. It's about slowing him down and a speedy guy like that. I mean, I don't want to compare him to Justin Jefferson, but. Justin Jefferson is one of the fastest guys in the NFL. And everybody knows it. Everybody tries to slow him down, but they can't because they can't keep up with him. Yep. And Mickey yeah, and,
3: just and, said Trey Palmer's faster than him. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: um nope, I mean nope, when nope. I say yeah. when I say slow him down, I mean something like eight catches for eighty eight yards. Something yeah, absolutely, like that. Absolutely. That's and that's experience. that's a good that's a good day versus Trey Palmer. You know, maybe he catches a, a touchdown pass. Like if that's the case, I You know, assuming that the other 11 guys on the field aren't tearing them up, you know, that that would be a successful day. Um, I mean, you I think you bring up great points as far as, you know, comparing them to Indiana. And maybe it's one of those weird football deals where knowing how good Illinois is against the pass, maybe the secret way to beat them is to go right at their strength and just chuck the ball around around the the yard. I'm not I'm not joking. I, I think there is some some truth to that the problem is I, I honestly, I, I fear for Casey Thompson's health at some point because of the offensive line. So like, you know, that, that balance that Whipple's going to try to look for that's, that's what's going to be so interesting.
1: Oh yeah. Cause uh, Illinois, they rank 11th in sacks per game and Nebraska ranks one Oh six in sacks allowed. And, yep. and he's already been banged up in enough games this year. And, uh, God, Illinois, they could could put a real hurt on this dude. That scares me. (laughs) Anything else, Derek?
2: Well, I mean, the other thing that Iowa does, or Illinois, I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Hate to mix those two up. Uh, But they hold onto the ball. 35 minutes a game. that's what their offense does. They do what a Brett Bielma offense has always done. They run the ball. They run the ball. They run the ball and they control the clock. They do what Tom Osborne did for 25 years.
3: Well, can, can we talk about how they're controlling the ball? Because obviously the headline is Chase Brown and and Chase Brown. I mean, this defense is good in Illinois and I, I do think their hype train has gotten a little bit big, but you know, what's not big enough is the Chase Brown hype train. Cause, cause that guy is every bit as good, but it's not just that. So, they are completing 70% of their passes right now, but they are 127th in the country in yards per completion. They're just dink and dunking it just to keep the chains moving. Like I I'm going to be run the ball guy because if we don't run the ball, Purdue held it for 47 minutes, they might hold it for 54 minutes. We may (laughs) not see the ball this whole game. If, if we don't like actually attempt to run the ball and hold it because Illinois won't give it back, and our defense isn't good enough. They don't throw interceptions. We're not going to go take the ball from them. It's just, yeah, I mean, it's a matter of we got to hold the ball hey. somewhere one of us. We're just going to not get the ball back. Malcolm Hartsock's been doing some pretty good stuff with that intercepting stuff. And Tommy DeVito has not been throwing them, so we'll see how that plays.
1: So we've obviously transitioned to the Illinois offense I, versus Nebraska defense.
3: I I, I right. kind of did that with the time of possession. I didn't
2: really mean to do that. I actually, <laughs> my point of that was actually more Nebraska needs to try and hold onto the ball. But since not Illinois it. does it so well, they're not going to be able to.
0: I think it was a silky smooth transition, Derek. That, that was amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, as of right now, I mean, I, I always get the, the linebackers confused, but um Reimer is out for the year, correct? Or Hendrick. is it the other way around? Hendrickson, Hendrick. sorry, onside. Dang it! So Henrik's out for the year. Reimer, it looks like, is coming back though, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, and then Kolarovic, or uh, the other linebacker that is still listed as a running back on ESPN.com, which I find funny. Um, let's just say this has not been a front seven that has looked very successful against rushing attacks so far this year. Is that fair to say?
2: They haven't looked very good, very successful at anything, really.
0: Yeah, I am I mean, I think Bill Bush is doing everything he can. Uh, sometimes it's an X's and O's. Sometimes it's Jimmy's and Joe's. This looks to be a Jimmy's and Joe's thing to me on defense, which is kind of the most depressing part because there's really not much you can do to fix it. Um, you know, when Purdue is running for 200-plus yards and controlling the clock, that much and they are they don't even attempt to be you know a control the clock thing now part of that was produced defense was giving up massive plays to nebraska's offense every time you turned around so certainly that played into that uh but but as derek and you know you guys have already alluded to this is a a you know typical brett Bulma type of offense that wants to control the clock the other bad news is it sounds like josh mccray is coming back. So that's their, I mean, that was their one, their number two running back um, going into the year and had a fir- and a couple good games to start out the year. Um, so now they have kind of a one, two punch to have a, a fresher guy in there. Um, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, you know, you're, you're right. They're not throwing the ball down the field. One, 100%. Right. And if they have a defense that can pack it in and, have consistently eight guys in the box and not worry so much about the outside threat, that will be a, a defense that will, will challenge them. I mean, Illinois hardly did a thing versus Iowa's defense. Cause Iowa has that type of defense. Nebraska does not. And, and even if they pack it in, I am concerned about the secondary for Nebraska stopping little short plays from turning into bigger, bigger, you know, uh, Maybe not necessarily touchdowns, but just you know, chunk, junk plays. So I don't know. There's. I wish I could have a little bit more positive things to say, but unless something really mo- remarkable happened in the last two weeks during the idle week, I'm I'm not sure what Nebraska is going to be able to bring to the table to shut down this rushing attack.
1: Well, you know, to add on to that, Nebraska's only faced one top fifty team uh, in rushing. And that was Oklahoma. Oklahoma ranks 14th. And uh, they averaged 223 yards per game running the ball. They had 312 against us. Northwestern, who's ranked 101 in the nation in running the ball, they had 87 yards more than their season average running against Nebraska. And Purdue also. Purdue ran for 217 yards. They averaged 130 yards per game i mean it's just it goes on and on there's only two games that nebraska held a team under their season average running the ball and that was two wins indiana ruggers who you know indiana they rank as derek said 128th running the ball anyway so that's not my huge feat and ruggers uh held them uh under their season average also but but
2: indiana came after a bye week (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's true
3: tackling got better tackling got better after that bye week can can i tell you guys like i went down the brett bielma bye week bandwagon to like gosh maybe maybe something's there there's not i mean you know he didn't do great in arkansas after the bye weeks he's one and one in illinois because they had two buys last year but I mean there, there's just not I mean I was like, well, maybe Mickey Joseph he's one to know after bye weeks, yeah Brett billman does pretty well i I think he went six and oh at Wisconsin after buys. and so yeah yeah no no advantage there
0: no it's it's uh it is a physical rushing attack um I mean, they still got over a hundred yards rushing against Iowa um and Iowa just shut down Ohio State's rushing attack um. Like this, this is a good rushing attack. And I know we've already talked about him a little bit, but I mean, Chase Brown's just special. I don't know what to say. Like he makes one yard runs into seven yard runs, which by the way can be some of the most destructive things to a defense is those, is those seven yard runs that you think you had him bottled up. And he could definitely turn six yard runs into 26 yard runs. Like he's, he's just that good. He should be a Heisman contender. He's a really good story. I know you don't want to hear that, right now, but uh um dude's good te- you're not telling us anything we don't know. I
2: yep there's nobody on this podcast that's gonna try and say anything bad about Chase Brown. Like he yeah. is can, can, he is good. Like can, there's no denying
3: can I throw it out there. An advantage Nebraska has this game special teams.
0: Yes.
2: Ha,
3: yep. Has that flipped? I mean last year we lost Illinois largely due to special teams. Has, has Jeffrey? It sounds like you agree. It's, have we yep. flipped the strip, script there? Yeah, out for the you, good
0: guys. You stole my thunder a little bit. I was going to say a place to steal, you know, a momentum swing is on special teams. I I have got to think. Is Bill Bush still coaching special teams too, along with the defense, or how do we know that? There's like a analyst or something that's that's gotten into that role. Or Joey Connors
1: has coached them, and he was like the I think it was special teams analyst.
0: Okay they got to scheme something up, right? I I mean, that is where they want to get a flip the field moment. Um, Illinois special teams have been spotty. Uh, Their field goal kicker looked horrible, went to a different field goal kicker against Iowa, went three for three, of course. Um, The great Blake Hayes uh, is no longer punting for Illinois. His backup has been He's been feast or famine, you know, uh, that actually honestly played into them losing to Indiana because of special teams because their punting was so bad. So it's not been categorically bad for Illinois. It's just been extremely hit or miss, you know, kind of a roller coaster ride, whereas I think Nebraska's special teams have been much more consistent. So it's it's probably not going to come in something like we made three field goals and they only made two. It needs to come in something like a big punt return or, you know, a blocked punt.
1: Sorry,
2: that's got to be one other key to this game is uh, one area where Illinois is just terrible at is red zone offense. Uh, They're actually. uh, Sorry, I'm losing my place here. Ninety six in the country in red zone offense. So uh, that comes largely part in special teams like you. You got to be able to stop them from getting to the touchdown, which teams are being able to do to stop Illinois from scoring. And if you can hold them to the field goal, then you can hope for the best there.
0: And I think part of that stat, and that's a great stat, but I think part of that stat is man, Beetle just loves to go for it. I mean, it'll be fourth and four from the 20 and he'll go for it instead of kicking the field goal. So probably that's, you know, a nod to not having confidence with their field goal kicking, um so i don't know but but it's a good stat i mean obviously the goal is always to get offenses to slow down in the red zone uh meaning you know not chunk play touchdowns from 40 yards out so if that's the case i gotta think that's something that bill bush and mickey joseph are trying to trying to you know force illinois into doing
1: how many punts do you think nebraska can force illinois
0: throughout the game
1: yeah if i say over under 2.5 over or under?
0: I would take the over, but I mean, I had three and a half or four as the over under in my head. So mostly because I, I just feel like they'll, they'll have such a consistent offense that they'll get into field goal range pretty often where they either miss the field goal or go for it on fourth. Um, So it's, it's a really good question. I, I mean, I'll say if the first drive of the game then Illinois has got the ball and and uh Nebraska if that if they force a punt right from the get-go, it's huge. You know, that'd probably be a good sign for the rest of the day.
1: Derek Tanner, I guess I'll ask you the same question. Over under two point two point five punts, Illinois. Over. Derek.
0: I'll go Tell over. It. Over? Okay. Two point five is pretty low. If you set it at four, then I'd be four, four and a half. I'd probably be, you know, debating that a little bit. But you gotta think Nebraska will bow up you know, a couple times. times. Um, I mean, they made Rutgers punt like what nine times in that game. Wasn't it something like that? So um, Wait, now
1: their offense is slightly better than Iowa. I mean, Illinois. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it's not a great offense. It's better now that they've started getting some of their, their quarterback and players back, but I hear you.
1: Yeah. Uh, any other things that you guys want to talk about this matchup between Illinois and Nebraska, any other interesting nuggets? Okay, so Illinois, they are seven and a half point favorites in this game. Does that line surprise you, Jeff?
0: Yeah, I thought it would start. I mean, I thought it would start around eight. It started at five, and my dirty bookie wouldn't let me make any financial moves on Sunday. He, you know, waited until till Monday until the line had had stabilized a little bit. But so it shot right up to seven and a half, eight. I saw at one point. Now it's choked back down a seven and a half, which I think is probably more of where, where it should have been all along.
1: So how, how do you see this game playing out?
0: You know, I, I just, I have this feeling, you know, coming off an a week, playing at home, Nebraska very much wanting to get to a bowl. I think you're going to see a good effort on defense. I, I like to think there is enough there to get Illinois to earn it. Um, to move down the field um, again, like you guys have done a great job pointing out. It's not like touchdown. Tommy DeVito just sits back there and wings it down the field. So like, I don't see this being any kind of, you know, shock and awe type of situation. I just think as the game goes on, we're going to know who the better team is. I, I think we'll get a late touchdown from Nebraska to make it kind of close but I've got Illinois 27, Nebraska 17. So I've got a Illinois cover of the seven and a half points. And at 44 points, I've actually got that going under the game total of
3: 50.5.
1: how do you see this game playing out?
3: Well, last time we came off of an idle week. Uh, thank you for correcting me for not saying bye. I know it's not a bye week. I've learned my lesson. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, I, last time we ran the ball. We ran it against Indiana really well. Uh, we came out and ran the ball. I, I think that they know they have to do it this week. I do think we get a couple plays over the top with Trey Palmer, maybe a special teams play. Um, I, I I don't know. Maybe Illinois will make me eat my words. They're a good defense. I don't know if they're a great defense. Um, we'll find out. I just think their opponents have. They've got a lot of games at home. I think we score points. We get we win 31-28. Wow, 31-28 Nebraska. Derek,
2: I have the same score as Tyler, except for Illinois wins. I, I, I Ultimately, I don't think they can completely shut down Nebraska's offense. I think there's going to be some big plays. I think Nebraska will score. Ultimately, I don't think we can get off the field enough with Chase Brown. and I, th- I, I think he ends up being the biggest difference maker, and they end up pulling out.
1: Yeah, I uh, I love Mickey Joseph, but I just think this is going to be too tall of a chore for him to overcome. Uh, Nebraska's inability to run the ball is just mind-boggling. You know, they, they don't commit to it because they can't run it. Uh, I think uh, with an extra week there, I think Illinois will be able to prepare for Trey Palmer. Sure, he's going to get his plays, and he might get us a couple of touchdowns there, but I don't think we're going to be – to uh, move the ball consistently enough, we had 15 first downs against uh, Purdue, I and mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to move the, the ball against Illinois. I have Illinois winning 31 to 17. I'm sorry, right. to, Tyler, you
3: took uh, sticking with Mickey Joseph. I again, I, I you know, I'm not going to pair Anthony Grant to Mo Ibrahim, but actually, I am. I mean, he, he ran the ball for 127 yards on 15 carries. Like, I just – he's special. He's he's elite. He's all those things. I just – I don't I, – I'm sorry, Jeff. Like, they, they played Iowa. Like, Iowa makes – skews a lot of stats. Like, I watched that Indiana game. Indiana got some on them. Uh, Minnesota, man, if you don't punch Tanner Morgan in the head – A little bit off the cheat comment. There maybe Minnesota actually stays in that game a little bit better. I mean, but you know, you saw what happened in Minnesota's offense when Tanner Morgan wasn't there. I mean, I just I think they're a really good defense. They're they they are they deserve. I just when you when you're talking about the best defense in the country, they're not that. I was that. I was a better defense than Illinois is. I I I believe Michigan might be. I mean, there's teams in the Big Ten I think that can topple them. I, and I think Nebraska get some points.
0: I mean, you guys are all got higher scoring predictions than I have. You know, you, honestly, you guys got me—you got me doubting myself a little bit in that this is a step up for for Illinois's defense. That's um, it's, honestly, you just—it's just even more of an intriguing situation to to tune into the game to see how this game starts out.
3: Yeah, the second real road game they played. I mean, they went to Wisconsin. I mean, that was just a weird game than Indiana. I mean, it's I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. Yep. All right. Well, I can
1: tell you that there's not a lot of great games uh, on this this weekend. Uh, but let's go ahead and pick some games of the week here. Uh, last week I went four and two. Derek, you went four and two, and Tyler, you went three and three. So, uh, Derek, you are now leading thirty three and fifteen on the year. Tyler. You're one game behind at 32 and 16. And I'm way behind at uh, 26 and 22, but it's a winning record. That's good enough for number. Uh, number the. Oh, <laughs>
0: number
1: two, Ohio State, 15 and a half point favorites uh, at number 13, Penn State. Jeff, what, who do you have in this game?
0: So how about this? I will do this pick versus the spread. You guys pick the other games and I'll just maybe add a comment once you guys are done. How's that sound? That's great. All right. Um, yeah, you know, I think, uh, it might be a situation where Penn state actually matches up better versus Ohio state than, than Penn state matches up to Michigan. Um, so and then on the other side, and then that mostly I'm talking about Penn State's defense to Ohio State's offense, you know, whereas Michigan's so much power base, and I don't think Penn State is built for that. Penn State is built for a little bit more finesse teams and, um, uh, you know, on the outside with their corners. So I think their defense can look pretty pretty decent on, on, on an Ohio State offense, meaning pretty decent means – not allowing him 50 points. You know I mean? Iowa's defense looked pretty good versus Ohio state. And they still put up 50 plus points on the other side. Can Penn state run the ball? If they can run the ball, they can stay in this game and and deep into the fourth quarter. So I think you get maybe a little bit better game than you expect, but in the end, Ohio state is just too much. So I've got Ohio state 38 Penn state 21. So that's an Ohio state cover.
1: Nice. Uh, Derek.
2: Uh, I don't think this game's very close. I think Ohio State runs away with it. Uh, I don't have a score prediction. I'm not quite as knowledgeable as Jeffrey here. <laughs> but uh, I, I do think Ohio State wins pretty easily. I
3: I don't know what the spread is, but I would probably bet Ohio State in this
2: one. 15 and 15. a
3: half. Oh, I got it at 16. Oh, it just um, go up. And I know that because I bet Penn State already. I think this is a close game, and I really want to pick Penn State. I think there's something about playing in Happy Valley that they're going to come out and they're going to play. I mean, this is a, a spotlight game for them. I, I really want to pick Penn State to win straight it. up even. I'm not, I'm not going to. Um, I, I just – at the end of the day, C.J. Shroud is just eight tiers above Sean Clifford. Um, it's it just – it's not there. But I do think – I like what Penn State does with running the ball. They – I mean – Minnesota was at lame duck, but that was still impressive. Minnesota's defense had been playing really good all year, and Penn State moved the ball effectively. I think they'll do that against um, Ohio State, even though Ohio State does have a good defense. I think it's going to be a closer game, but Ohio State inevitably wins.
1: Yeah, this is going to go back to my little tiers where I had Ohio State and Michigan on one tier, and on that bottom tier is Penn State. Uh, Penn State's not close. I don't care if it's at home or not. Ohio State, they're just a tier above Penn State. So. I think they win easily. Uh Notre Dame at number sixteen, Syracuse. Syracuse is two and a half point favorites. Derek.
2: I, I went back and forth on this game. This is a tough game. Uh you know, you'll you'll look at what they've done, you you kind of think maybe Syracuse is an easy pick, but I, I wonder where they're at after this loss from Clemson. I I it was a disappointing loss. They they didn't play as well as they wanted to. Notre Dame has kind of picked up their play a little bit from the start of the year. Uh, I, I think Notre Dame comes in and upsets these guys. I, I think it's a close game, but I think Notre Dame finds a way to edge them out.
3: Tyler. Well, Derek, I mean, I know Notre Dame looked really good. Um, again, UNLV, but they are a couple weeks removed from losing to Stanford. Um, I, I, I think Syracuse, I mean, I mean, the, the, ACC is a very underrated conference, and Sir, Syrac- oh, disagreement there. Um, I see a disagreement facing there. But, no, I I, I think the ACC is probably the third best conference, maybe. Um, and I think Syracuse is a good routine. I I think that they're a real contender um, outside of Clemson. They took it to Clemson last week. I, I like Syracuse in this game. All
1: right, Jeff, what do you think about this one here?
0: It, you know, it's an interesting game. I, I, Derek brought up the good points with, um, Notre Dame not looking great, you know, most, most of the season. Uh, Marcus Freeman's a little heat. Syracuse is tough to beat at home, you know, in that crappy, used to be the carrier dome. Ironic because it's hotter than heck in there. Uh, but right after Clemson. So can, can, uh, Dino get him back up and him? Uh, for me, I, I would probably take, uh, um. Uh. Uh. Why am I having an issue here? Um. Who's playing? <laughs> Notre Dame, Syracuse. No, Syracuse. I couldn't get. I couldn't. I couldn't get Clemson out of my head. Um. I. I think I'd take Syracuse just because Notre Dame seems to be if they run into a defense that is decent, it just shuts their offense down. Whereas Syracuse has enough on offense at home to pull it out.
1: It's weird because Dina Babers. I mean. He goes from like having these spectacular seasons to like nothing forever. It's like they, they think he's going to be fired. And then a lot of these uh, years are like, oh, do you remember this is going to be the next great coach? I mean, he's kind of like off on like locusts. Here. In and out, wait, just waiting years and years of like, oh, they're here again. Uh, but I want to take Syracuse here. Uh, I don't like
3: Dame. Notre- wait, did De- oh, Derek, God. did you go to Notre Dame? I did. Yeah, he did. Uh-huh. Going back in first. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: Uh number nine, Oklahoma State. At number twenty two, Kansas State. Kansas State's one and a half point favorites here, Derek. Uh
2: I, I went with Oklahoma State. I don't know what uh Adrian Martinez's health status is after leaving the game last week. Uh I I think Oklahoma State's a slightly better team. Uh other other than that, I I just I think Oklahoma State Oklahoma State.
3: Tyler yeah, if I knew Adrian Martinez was uh, playing, I this is up in the air. Um, but I, I honestly, after with his status unknown, knee injury, man, I hope it's not season ending. Um, he had a good thing going at K-State. I really wanted to see him actually make a bowl. Um, that would have been nice for him. And I just hope he's not on the sidelines. So I got Oklahoma State.
1: You know what? Uh, I, I saw this line and I just assumed that Adrian Martinez was playing. <laughs> so uh, I don't know because I didn't do that much research on this game. But anyway, I, I, I took Kansas State.
0: Yeah. The uh, only yeah. thing I'd like to add is I had Kansas State plus three and a half last week versus TCU. They were up twenty-eight to ten at one point, which means I was getting twenty-one and a half points, and the bastards didn't cover for me because <laughs> they were because they were down to. You, they would have covered even with their second-string quarterback. And then their second-string quarterback got knocked out. They were down to the third-string quarterback, and then all hell breaks loose. The only thing I would add is I hope Adrian Martinez is healthy. It has screwed me each every week. I've tried to watch him play. I've only been able to watch him play once. I would like to watch him play again on Saturday, so I hope he's healthy.
3: Yeah, I lost that bet, too.
0: I had K-State last week. Dude, it was – I mean, that was the bet. I mean, it was, it was the correct bet. It didn't hit because of injuries. I hate when that happens. Uh,
1: number 19, Kentucky at number three, Tennessee, Tennessee's 12 and a half point favorites, Derek. Uh,
2: Justin, you talk about tiers in, in the big 10, and I, I think this is one of those where Tennessee is a tier, a tier or two above Kentucky right now. Uh, I know Tennessee doesn't play quite the defense that you expect to have an SEC team, uh, but their offense is just unstoppable. And if you don't believe that, ask Alabama. Uh, T- Tennessee's the better team. I think they win by at least two
3: scores. Teller. Yeah, ne- Nebraska got the wrong UCF coach. paul um, has got stuff rolling. I mean, Hooker looks like a Heisman candidate. Um, I mean... Th- yeah, I, I mean, Tennessee is just, they're, they're the only 10 I see. So, oh my God.
1: Uh, Jeff, uh, I'm, che-
0: I'm cheering for a meteor to hit the stadium so every Tennessee, as many Tennessee fans as possible can remove from the earth. But I don't know. You know what? I think there's something to that Kentucky got their horse of a running back back. And whenever these high flying offenses go against a rushing attack with somebody that actually plays defense, it seems like ha- catching points is a good thing. So I'll take Kentucky in the points.
1: Oh I, I like Tennessee here. Uh
0: you gotta root for a hooker, right?
1: <laughs> 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 he's a good quarterback. <laughs> he's he's a great quarterback. They're they're kind of fun to watch. Uh Last game here, Oklahoma minus one at Iowa State. Derek,
2: oh, Iowa State has lost their last four games, all conference games. Uh, I don't know. Oklahoma scores a lot of points. I I I gotta go Oklahoma here.
3: This this just seems like a Matt Campbell special. This, this just it really does. It has all the makings of beating a team that has name value but really isn't that good. Like this just seems like the, the type of game he wins. And I, I'm just I'm not buying um I'm not buying uh Oklahoma. They have suffered the Nebraska curse. Tip for Illinois though, if you want to win the Big Ten West, lose to Nebraska, <laughs> you will have a much shot better shot to win games <laughs> after that. Uh Oklahoma's still suffering from it, so they will not beat Iowa State.
1: Jeff, any truth to that uh to the statement that Iowa State's your second favorite team? Truth?
0: Go Sooners. That's all I got to <laughs> say.
1: <laughs> I like Oklahoma also. Uh, I just don't want to see Matt Campbell win this game because I don't want him to gain traction in the uh, <laughs> Nebraska coaching search because I think he's the biggest dud. I mean, I mean, God dang, that would that would be the biggest disappointment, wouldn't it? Oh, <gasps> it would Dave, so, uh, Dave, Dave,
2: would Dave Dorn would be to me.
1: They're equal. I was like I mean that's like Mike Riley. It's like, oh my god.
2: That, that's my other fear is I'm gonna have to Google who Nebraska's next coach is. <laughs> Which I did with Mike Never. Riley. True story. They said Mike Riley's new head coach, and I went straight to Google. I said, who the fuck is Mike Riley?
0: I did too. <laughs> I, did too. I did too. Oh like, man, if I, I have, a, if I had a if I had a if I had a DeLorean and a flex capacitor, I'd like to go back in time and see Derek's response when they when that was announced. That would be fantastic. I was at work and I almost broke my computer.
1: <laughs> I was at work and my dad called me. He's like, "Who the fuck is this guy?
0: <laughs> He's riding a
2: bike." <laughs> that's the first video that pops up when you Google Mike Riley. It's
1: him riding his bike to work. <laughs>
0: um, Heck of a nice guy. Heck of a nice guy.
1: Yeah, uh, I miss him. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I got Oklahoma. Hey, Jeff, hey, thanks for being part of this uh, 250th 250th episode of the Husker Cuscast. Uh Tell everybody where they can follow you on Twitter and your podcast and all the goodies there.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm all over on Twitter. I feel like, you know, a pretty good chunk of my uh, followers are Nebraska fans. But if any a couple more want to uh, get added on, I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Um, we do have an Eyes on Pod uh, Twitter handle. But for the most part, if you follow myself or Big Kurt, that's B-1-G-K-U-R-T. And we also got Dustin Schutte, uh, that formerly was Saturday Tradition. He is doing the show with me every weeknight. So um, follow any of us on Twitter. You can f- probably get led to the podcast. We talk about all 14 Big Ten teams and a little bit of social commentary, shall you say, about what frustrates us about, you know, things outside the Big Ten. So um by all means check it out we'd love to have have any of you as a listener
3: awesome you know i know you guys already recorded this week and i know it's not called uh grind my gears uh but <laughs> i i when we offline I, i've got one for you that's something that grinds my gears about the okay and so
0: bother bothers my big that's our that's our new segment that's catching steam
1: well, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuz Cast on Twitter at Husker Cuz Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button and don't forget to rate and re- review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always,